If you would turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2, this morning we're going to be uh, in verses 8 through 20. Let's pray. Oh Lord God in heaven, we praise and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ that you have sent to us a Savior. He is our Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, and you raised him from the dead that he would be our Lord. We praise you for uh, sending him to be sin for us. He who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Help us, Lord, as we celebrate the birth of Christ with our families uh, this weekend, that you, Lord, would be the center of all of our celebrations, and that our main aim would be to give glory and honor to you, Lord. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As you are um, able, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word from Luke chapter 2, going to begin in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men whom with he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the sh shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just has been told them. This is God's word. Y'all may be seated. The aim of the message this morning, or the title, is Glory Has Arrived. And when we think about what the Westminster Greater Catechism states this, that humankind's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully enjoy Him forever. But there are not two ends, there is one end. It sounds like there's two ends in that statement. That, that the highest aim of any human being is to glorify God and to fully joy, enjoy Him forever. But instead of it, it really reading like this, uh, the chief and highest end to glorify God and to fully enjoy Him forever, it is rather like this. The chief and the highest end for the creature is to glorify God through full and complete enjoyment of Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in all that He is for us in Christ Jesus, as John Piper writes. 
I love that statement. I'm going to read it again. He puts it in like six or seven different books that he writes the same statement because it is so true. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with all that he is for us in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to give you an overview of this passage. It's going to sound like uh, I'm, I'll be done with the message in about three minutes because I'm just going to give you the recap, but then we're going to dive into it more deeply. The glory of God appears to some shepherds in their garden. They're, they're guarding the flocks in the evening. They're terrified at the glory of God. And the angel of the Lord comes and tells them, there's no need to fear. The appearing of the glory of God is good news. Your Savior has been born. The promised Christ has arrived. The host of heaven gives glory to God for the peace that God has made through the birth of Jesus. The shepherds hurried to see with their eyes what they had heard and been told concerning the baby, and they proceed to tell the people who have gathered the things that were said, Mary, she holds fast to the truth that she knows about Christ. The shepherds no longer frightened. They glorify and praise God for all that has been revealed to them. So there's the whole message. That's what, that, that's what's going on here in this passage, right? But let's, let's dive in a, a little deeper and look at verses eight and nine. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared suddenly, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. When you think of the word glory, don't you often think of the English dictionary definition? We think of renown, fame, prestige, honor, distinction, splendor, grandeur, majesty. In other words, we think of the synonyms for glory. Why then would the shepherds be frightened by the glory of God? Glory, as we see it in this passage, are all of the divine attributes of God, all of His internal excellencies are being expressed outwardly at the same time. So think about this, the glory of God, all that He is, all of His divine excellencies appearing at once. That is, that the the self-existent, uncaused causer, the immutable, unchangeable God, the one who cannot be moved by human reason, the self-sufficient God, the one who has no needs, the omnipotent, the all-powerful presence, the omniscient, the all-knowing God, the perfectly wise, the unchangeably true, the omnibenevolent, that is to be, to say, the one who is always good. There's so much goodness coming all at once, unchangeably, always just, always merciful, infinitely, unchangingly holy and pure, infinitely beautiful, the creator and the judge, all of this shown on them at one time. And think about the original hearer of this word, of this, this, this idea that the glory of God shone around them. So we think of it in the Greek as, as all of these doxa, the glory, the majesty, and all these things. But they, they would likely hear it in the Jewish mind with the Jewish word, uh, kavod, glory, which has at its root weight, heaviness. 
the heaviness of all of the attributes of God came to these shepherds at once and it shone all around them. This is heavy, weighty. Think God is in their presence and it's weighty. It's weighty. It's heavy. And they were frightened. Terribly so, it says in the NASB. King James says, sore afraid. Terribly frightened. Tozer writes this, to admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists outside of all of our categories, who will not be dismissed with a name, who will not uh, appear before the bar of our reasoning, nor submit to our curious inquiries, this truth requires a great deal of humility, more than most of us possess. The glory of God is shining magnificently here in the presence of the shepherd, and it fills them with dread. Why would it fill them with dread? They understand this. He is what we are not. The glory of the, of the Lord shone around them, and they're like, He is what I am not. There's a weightiness to all that God is right there in front of them. They know this. They have no answer before him. In the presence of the glory of God, the weightiness of all his divine attributes come upon humankind, and humankind is undone. Perhaps what came to their mind is, is from Isaiah. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Or perhaps even Psalm 7, verse 11. God is a righteous judge and a God who shows indignation every day. And so here is the glory of God appearing and they are terribly frightened. In the presence of the glory of God, every human being is humbled. Because it is known to the soul. It is known to the very soul of humankind that we have, as Paul writes in Romans 1.23, exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible mankind, of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. The natural person will exchange the glory of God for lesser things. Why? Because when we exchange the glory of God for lesser things, we feel like we will not be held to account for what Paul writes in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When the glory of the Lord appears before humankind, they go, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And these shepherds are terribly frightened at the glory of God. The glory of God present, present before these naturally human shepherds renders them undone. Terribly frightened in the NASB. Sore afraid in the King Jimmy. Sore afraid. Terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, verse 10, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news and great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. See, we are not our own, but we belong body and soul in both life and death to God. If we belong to God, we must give Him an answer for our rebellion to Him. 
So then what is our only hope? What is the only hope for sinners like you and me? We cannot deny His existence, as we saw a couple weeks ago. That's foolishness. We cannot hide from God because He's present everywhere we go. We cannot cover up our guilt and our shame because it will surely find us out. We cannot blame God. We cannot blame others. We cannot blame the devil because each one must answer for their own sin. We need grace. Unearned, unmerited favor from God. God must act. God must transform our hearts. God must mark us out as one who is favored. God must accept us. God must give us a gift that declares us worthy. God cannot deny himself, so God must have justice. And as we know, the wages of sin is death. If the wages go unpaid, then God is no longer just. If they go unpaid, God is not just. God is not holy. A Savior has come. He will save His people from their sins. You need not hide yourself from God. This is good news. The glory is here, but it's for you. You need not be afraid. You need not cover up your shame and your guilt. He will bear your guilt and shame. He will bear the shame of your nakedness before a holy God. He will not only cover your sin, but He will wash you clean forever in His blood. There is hope for sinners. The Savior has come to you, shepherds. Repent and believe. This is the only hope in life and death for these shepherds. And that is the promise of God's grace. There's one thing for them to do, and that is to turn from sin and believe in the promise of God's grace. Fear not. Fear not. God gives grace to the humble. The good news is for you if you believe. Peace with God has come to you. A Savior is born. Jesus is the Christ. He is the glory of God personified. Through Him, you have access to all that God is without fear. The glory of God is a praise to those who believe. Not to be feared. The glory of God is a praise to those who believe. It is not to be feared anymore. Romans 5 tells us this, Having been justified justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. If you don't have the hope of Christ and the glory of God comes upon you, you should be terribly frightened. But to the one who has been given faith, they exult in the hope of the glory of God, of all that He is. Of all that He is, it's for us. And Christ is the glory of God. Romans 11.36 tells us this, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Christ is the glory of God. And the shepherds here, blinded by sin, blinded by shame and unbelief, have had the glory of God unveiled to them. To them, And the gospel of God's grace now has been announced to them. There's been born for you a Savior, fear not, who is Christ the Lord. The glory of God is shining all around you. And it's shining around you in this, this child who is born to you. No need to have fear. And this is, this is, this is our message at Christmas time. This is a message for all of us as we gather with our, our families. A Savior has come. 
He is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. He was born as one of us. He lived sinless like none of us. And He died instead of us. That's our message, right? He was born as one of us. He lived like none of us. And He died instead of us. What a glorious thing to celebrate. That is the glory of God, isn't it? That is glory. That is something we should embrace. The glory of God. The glory of God is that He came as one of us. He lived like none of us and He died instead of us. God raised Him from the dead that we might live through Him to the praise of His glorious grace. The natural person must have this glorious good news unveiled to them by the Holy Spirit. We should be in prayer that as we gather with our unsaved family members this Christmas, that the glory of God would be supernaturally revealed to them. Supernaturally. But guess what? He, he uses you and me as instruments of that unveiling. We need to tell them, a Savior was born to you who is Christ the Lord. He is your Savior and He is your Lord. He is the Master. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then pray, Holy Spirit, unveil this truth to them. Use me as the instrument of that truth. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If our message is veiled, it is veiled in unbelief. We must, I think, pray deeply and passionately for the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to them. But we must nevertheless not back down from that truth. So what has been announced here to these shepherds is fear not. A child is born. He's the exact imprint of the nature of God. He bore the image exactly, and he died so that whoever believes would be hidden in his perfect grace, that they would be enabled in increasing measure by his resurrection to reflect that same image in themselves. The perfect image bearer of God came in Christ Jesus in this baby. This baby would grow up and live a sinless life, and that he would live like none of us, and he would die instead of us. And he would be raised on the third day from God, by God, and raised into heaven and declared Lord that in him that you would grow increasingly more like him, that you would bear that same image in yourself. What a great gift he's given us. Hebrews chapter uh, 1, verses 3 and 4. In these last days He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. And He upholds uh, all things by the word of His power. When He made a purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels and has inherited a more excellent name than they. This is what the angels see. The shepherds are in fear of this glory. And the angels respond in this way. 
Suddenly, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. They marvel at the grace that God is showing these shepherds in bringing this good news, in bringing the birth of Christ. They marvel at it. They marvel at it. They, it is the praise of heaven. The salvation that has come to you and I in Jesus is the praise of heaven. The one revealed, the son who was born, the Savior and the Christ is the praise of heaven. The glory of God, according to the angels, is magnified in the Savior being born. God is pleased to reveal him by faith to a people chosen to share in all that he is. Remember last week we looked at the Magnificent, the hymn of Mary, and we saw that those who believe that this, that his son who was born as Savior and as Lord are in awe that God would choose them to believe. Remember chapter 1, verse 43, Elizabeth marveled at the glory of God. She said, how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord has come to me? She's marveling at the glory of God that she believed. Mary glorified God that she had found favor with God and had been given faith to believe in the Son that was to be unveiled in verses 46 and 48 of chapter 1. My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. See, this is the peculiar nature of God. He gives favor to those whom he chooses to impart faith in to believe. He gives undeserved favor. And the amazing love of God is a thing which the angels see and they magnify the glory of God in praise. What is it? It has to be a thing. What is it that he is doing here? This is the angels looking at the grace of God extended to human beings and going, glory to God in the highest magnify his name. This is an incredible thing which has been done. The angels find this saving grace a peculiar thing as well as a glorious thing. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it tells us this, And to this salvation the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them uh, was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels long to look. And these angels are getting a look at the gospel of Jesus Christ being presented to them. And they say, glory to God in the highest. He has chosen some whom he is pleased with and brought them peace through the Son that was born. It's a glorious thing that God has made peace with men. One born in the likeness of men is sent to be a substitute for a sinful human being. He was fully God and fully human, and yet without sin brings peace to those God has favored with faith to believe. I would remind you, that this is a truth that we walk in this Christmas. Romans 5, again, 1 and 2. I want to reread that. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. The response of the host of heaven is to magnify God, to magnify Him who brings peace to humankind. Humans whom God has favored with faith to believe respond not in fear, but in praise of His glory, in praise of the glory of God. In this way, you see, the chosen of God participate in the glory of God. The chosen of God participate in the glory of God. How do we participate in the glory of God? Praising Him. Walking in it. Treasuring it. Loving the glory of God sent to us. In this way, we participate in the glory of God. We participate in a new life that then in Christ becomes praiseworthy. A life lived in the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ that in turn becomes a righteousness that becomes our own that is lived out practically as we believe. The people of faith are, are united in the glorious grace of God that we have been given by peace with God. That's why Romans 15 says, therefore accept one another just as Christ has also accepted us to the glory of God. Participants of the glory of God. That is what we are. Participants in His glory. And as I said, which John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. When we are satisfied with all that God is for us in Christ Jesus, we are a participant in God's glory. Well, let's look at verse 15 and 16. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Just as it was told, by faith the shepherds are moved to see if these things that they were told are true. There's a lesson for us who hear this message this morning. If you don't believe that God sent His Son for you, if you don't believe that Christ Jesus died for your sin, if you don't believe that God raised Him from the dead, that you might have new life in Him by faith, if you don't believe there's something for you to do. Investigate it yourselves. Investigate it. See if these things are so. These shepherds, in awe of all that has happened, they've hear, they heard from the angel, from the host of heaven, they have seen the glory of God, and their response is, let's go straight away to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, that the Lord has made known to us. Let's, let's investigate, see if this thing is so. And if you don't own a Bible and you don't know how to see if those things are so, I've got some out there that you can take with you. And I'll help you. And Joe will help you. And Jesse will help you. Michelle will help you. Jesse will help you. John will help you. There's a lot of people who will help you if you don't know. Investigate it yourself. Look into the Word of God. Search out the written Word of God to see if these things are so. And as you do, ask God to search your heart if the things spoken to you in this message are so. Ask the Spirit of God if it is so that you have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ask Him those questions. Is it so that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory? He'll tell you. 
The Spirit will tell you. The Spirit will reveal that to you. So here they are. They, as it's told, then they go to search these things out. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them, verse 17, about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds look and see if these things that, are, that they were told are so. That which had been revealed, they find it to be so. And then they make it known. They make it known what has been revealed to them. Isaiah 52.7 comes to my mind. How lovely on the mountains are the feet who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. They make it known. If by faith God has made peace with you through Jesus Christ, revealed to you that He is the Savior, that He is the Lord, the response is to glorify God and glorify God in announcing this good news. It becomes the joy of the believer's life. The glory of God magnified in our proclamation. And we sing this song at Christmas time a lot. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That's a response who has seen the glory of God and, and, and know of their salvation is to go tell it on the mountain. I must tell it. All who heard the announcement wondered at the good news, but wondered and faith are not the same. They all wondered at this good news, and some had faith. But wondering at it and having faith are not the same. As I read earlier in 2 Corinthians, I want to read it again. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Go tell the good news of God's glory everywhere and to everyone, and trust Him to reveal it to those whom He has favored with faith to believe it. Next, we're going to look at two responses to the peace of God revealed in the good news of God's glorious grace in Jesus. The Savior and Christ born to those with whom God has favored with faith. First is Mary's response. Treasured. Mary, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary treasured the gospel. This means more than she just valued them and kept them in her heart that she might fully know the implications of good news. She did do that. She treasured that. But she held the truth of the gospel of God, keeping it from ruin or decay. That's what the original language treasured means. To hold on to it, to keep it from ruin or decay. It is to guard the gospel. She held on to it. She guarded the truth of it. That she might be preserved by it. And to that she might not be compromised or changed away from it. This is the charge of the church, isn't it? We who believe are to protect the gospel. We are to keep it from decay. To carefully and purposefully obey it. To know and to instruct our hearts and our brethren in what conduct is consistent with it. Paul to the church at Galatia declares the gospel of salvation. And then he gives them a warning and an instruction to protect the gospel. To guard it from decay. That is, to treasure it as Mary treasured it. In, in uh, Galatians 1, 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. And then He 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 gets them here. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Which is not really another, only there are some disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which is preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I now say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. See, the point here that he's telling the church is you ought to treasure the gospel. Treasure this good news. And Mary's response to this good news is this, that she treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. She guarded the truth of it. She tried to, she made sure that she was protecting it from decay, protecting it from her own flesh that might diminish it, right? The favorite of God, Mary, guards and protects the gospel. Next, we look at the shepherd's response to the good news, that to them a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just has been told them. They were once in fear of all that God is. They had a fear of the weight of the glory of God. And now they've been given faith to believe and they respond as a participant in glory. Praise for all that God is for us in Christ Jesus makes us a participant in His glorious nature and magnifies further the glory that is due to Him. Every part of us participates in the worship of God. We no longer belong to ourselves, but peace has been made with us through the Savior given to us. And so now our very lives are incorporated into Him, to His praise and to His further glory. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. There's now nothing now ordinary in the shepherd's life. There's nothing ordinary in them anymore. There's nothing that is mundane to those who, with whom God has found favor. Nothing is ordinary to those who have had their sins atoned for. Everything is to the glory of God, to His praise. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us this, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. As we stated at the outset, the chief end of a human being, the thing that is given supremacy in our lives is the glory of God. And how do we give the glory of glory to God? A glory worthy of His majesty and His power and His all-knowing, omniscient, His ever-present, His, His, His omnibenevolence, His all-goodness, His purity, His holiness. How is it that, that we give Glory to Him. It is by enjoying all that He is for us in Christ. That is, that is the glory of God. That's our chief end, is to enjoy Him. And by enjoying Him, we glorify Him. That it becomes the treasure of our lives. The one who has faith uh, finds that nothing uh, is going to be more satisfying than all that God is for us. There's nothing more satisfying than that. That is the glory of God. That is the glory we give to Him. The shepherds have been given new life. But think about this. What they've been given to is a new affection. This is a new affection. 
Their affection is the praise and the glory of God. Good news has come to them. A Savior was born to them. It's just, if we, if we just pass by the birth of Christ as God sent a Savior and, you know, and we know the story and we just tell that story. But if we don't have new life in it and new affection, our new affection is His praise and His glory. And we have accomplished the highest height of what it means to be a human. That is the highest high of what it means to be a human is that you fully enjoy God. That nothing else is satisfying but Him. We find our, our whole being satisfied in who He is with new affections. And our affection then is the glory of God, is His praise above all else. And our, our lives then become marked by praise. Marked as a participant in the glory of God, in the person of Christ, who was born to take away our sins. I say this Christmas, participate in the glory of God. And I hope you've listened, because I just told you how. Treasure all that God is for us in Christ. Treasure Him. Treasure the good news that to us a Savior was given. Find no other satisfaction than the glory of God. Treasure him, the son born above all gifts, above all good things, good job, a good family. Those are, those are things to treasure for sure, aren't they? But there's a treasure greater. There's a greater treasure that the magnificent power and weightiness of God we can enjoy through faith in the son. And to understand this, that God is for us in Christ Jesus. And I'll leave you with this from 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For as many as are the promises of God, in Him they are yes. Therefore also through Him is our amen to the glory of God through us. This is our amen. To us, a child is born, a Savior is given. This is our amen. This is our glory. This is the highest end of what it means to be a human being.